Hello, and welcome to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast. This is John Goodwin, your host. This podcast is dedicated to the aspiring writer and artist, and will provide inspiration and tips from top professionals in the field. Today's guest is Philippa Werner. She's the Director of Strategic Partnerships at ScribeCount, and I'm here at Superstars Conference, where I met her today, and I became immediately fascinated with what this is all about, and I think anybody who's either an aspiring writer or artist or an established writer and artist will do well to listen to what we're going to be talking about. She's the public face of ScribeCount, overseeing the customer interaction, content, and overall service side of the company, and her main goal is to reduce friction from all the subscribers. Now, what they deal with is royalties, collection thereof, and making sure that you don't miss out on any royalties that are due. So I'm really excited about this. I'm very happy I was able to meet her here. And so with that, welcome, Philippa. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So the whole need with uh, intellectual properties and with their books or their art to get royalties. That's how mm-hmm. you make your living uh, on your royalties. So how much is it a problem? Well, just as a general mm-hmm. thing, and then we'll get into the fact that people don't realize how much of a problem it is quite possibly. How much of a mm-hmm. problem is it on people not being able to realize uh, royalties do? Uh, there's a couple of problems. So one is the sheer amount of time it takes to be collecting them. Uh, there are a lot of indie authors that were spending several hours per day collecting their royalties because they were on several different platforms. When you have a limited advertising budget, you are trying to pivot very quickly. And that means that you need to know what is going on, which meant that they needed to be on top of the royalties every day. It was cutting into their writing time. It was cutting into their just being a human time. It was also a very error-prone process because it doesn't matter who you are or what you're how detail-oriented you are, you will eventually end up copying and pasting something into the wrong column or wrong row, and then it will take hours for you to figure out where you went wrong. You'll be working on the wrong information. So as much as you can smooth that out and automate it, that's good. Gives you time back for your art. Uh, And then there is the issue of when you're looking at a sea of numbers, you don't always catch things. And so there are two aspects to that. One is that being able to visualize it gives you a different picture. There are some people that can look at a column of numbers and picture the pie chart in their head. For most of us, that's really not true. And so seeing it (laughs) on the page (laughs) is very, it's uh, it's genuinely different. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there are a lot of people that are worried about um, distributing wide because Amazon is, you know, the, the behemoth. And so they think, well, I'm, I'm afraid to move away from it. It's going to be a lot of work. And even I, who had been involved in ScribeCount since the very earliest versions, it was a revelation seeing how much was coming in from Kobo and Apple. And it really does hit differently. And if you can visualize your royalties, for instance, against your day job or look and see, wow, I am making a huge amount in paperbacks or audio, or it gives you an idea of where to go. Mm-hmm. And then, as you mentioned, missed royalties. Um, one of our biggest success stories so far has been someone who we went back and forth with because they were saying, you got the payment data wrong. I'm like, well, you know, obviously we want to fix that. And it turned out that a platform that 
I will not name, um, had missed paying them a whole bunch of royalties. It was genuinely a mistake, an oversight, mm-hmm. but because we had pulled the data out of their database, they were able to go back and say, hey, I never got this payment. And that was wonderful. Like, that was a great day that we got that, that email from someone. Right, right. <laughs> so now with scribe count, I mean, I know that the way that an author or an artist makes their living is on royalties. You get an advance, but it's, it's advanced on royalties. Mm-hmm. So it's still royalties. So what makes it so important to have something like scribe count to use as, as a tool? And I mean, we've, we have an hour here, we're gonna be discussing different aspects of this, but what, so initially what makes it so important as a tool as compared to just keeping your ledger there and just, okay, good, so I've got my books here and I will get them here, so I got my statement, so this is my royalties and. Yeah, it's, uh, it's almost like using a trope in your writing. Um, you can go farther because you've used the shorthand. So if you take less time collecting the data, you can do more with it because you simply haven't spent all of your brain power on clicking through on this rote repetitive task. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can go farther and you, because you've collected it differently, you're much more easily able to see anomalies and just pick out different things and run with them um, than you would be if you were spending those hours collecting it and then it's, you know, the end of the day and you have to sleep at some point. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now, like, you can file income taxes. Mm-hmm. You can do the basic, okay, mm-hmm. here's my W-2 forms and I'm not going to get into all that other stuff. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to file it basic and submit it and be done with it. Or you can do all the other, explore yep. all the different avenues and maybe you can get something here and maybe something there and turn out to do better if you have an accountant and Mm -hmm. they help you even though you're paying the accountant you're able to dig much more deep into something and their job is to know all the tax laws and codes to be able to help you as as much as possible is that a fair comparison to what you are a little, yeah. And I want to be very careful. So part of my background is in finance. Um, and we did briefly discuss, you know, did we want to be working with any tax forms? And no, we did not want to touch that with a 10 foot pole. Um, but we have discussed the fact that people's accountants can talk directly with us and they can print out one report for their accountant. And so that then makes their accountant's job easier. It means the accountant can spend extra time looking for deductions and all of that. You can also track your expenses, which makes it easier to tag to different things. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it takes, you know, even if you're using TurboTax, not having to go through and have just a guess of what you're going to have to set aside for taxes or any of that, you can do a one click and say, okay, this is how much I've made this year. This is about how much I'll need to set aside or, you know, I've just flipped up a tax bracket or whatever it might be. Right. Okay. So now with, with um, scribe count, the obvious first mm-hmm. question I came up with when we talked, okay, good. So this sounds really cool. So what's it going to cost me? <laughs> yep. Um, so I'm a, I'm a poor starving artist. I'm just making <laughs> it, I'm, I'm getting it out there right now. So I got my first couple books out there and I've got different places there. So what's in it for me? 
Mm -hmm. uh, and Randall and I both got, I don't think there's anyone in the industry who didn't get a ton of help at the start. Um, and we both did, and we both wanted to pay it forward. So um, newbie authors, up to $1,000 a month in combined royalties, free, always free. Well, so if um, I sell mm -hmm. whatever books, I mean, that's like $12,000 of your book income or royalty income, rather, mm -hmm. not book sales, but actual royalties income. on mm -hmm. the, my book sales is free with you if it's $1,000 a month. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> yes, we, uh, we have had some pushback from our accountant, actually. Um, <laughs> but it was important. It's one of the things in the community that's really important. And so it was necessary that we say, you know, it's, it's even more important when you're just starting out or uh -huh. say you burned out or you had a health crisis and you're just coming back in and maybe you were making $10,000 a month before and now it's 1000 but you don't have to pay for that month. And, you know, if you flip up a tier, yes, absolutely, you'll have to pay. But then it, it really is a community thing because you know that if you're in one of the paying tiers, you're helping provide it to the newbies. Mm -hmm. And that's very important to most of our customers as well. So, Okay, so, so what is that tier? So, if, so yep. now I'm, I got my royalties and I'm, I'm making, um, so if I'm making $5,000 a month, <laughs> There's sixty thousand dollars a year, so that's not too unreasonable in terms of a, a mid-size <laughs> author there. Mm -hmm. So how would that go? Um, so between one and two thousand dollars a month, you'll pay fifteen dollars, and then two thousand and up, you'll pay twenty. Or you can twenty dollars per per month. Um, and what we do it, how we do it is at a two-month lag, so that we account for things like returns uh, and exchange rates, mm -hmm. and make sure that you know we're not charging you when we shouldn't. Um, and then if you flip up a tier and the next month you're down, you can flip down. If you are almost always in the paying tiers, you can just shorthand it, do an annual subscription, works out to $15.41 a month, and then just not have to worry about it every single month. Right. But yeah, it's so the max it costs is $185 a year or $240 if you pay month by month. Wow. That's great. So now if a person... He's written some books. He's got them out there. He's, he's not just in Barnes & Noble and mm -hmm. in Amazon and in Kobo in Canada, but he's also now in, he's got his books there in South Africa. He's mm -hmm. got it in UK. He's got them in Australia. How do you guys fit in with that? Uh, so it depends. If it's a distributor that we draw from, then that will show up in our map. So we have a map down at the bottom. You can see where you are selling books. And if suddenly something pops up and you're like, wow, I sell a lot of books in South Africa, I should do something with that, you have that information. Um, and if it's something that's coming in from a platform that we don't have yet, uh, you'll want to do two things, which is you can upload those royalties manually and then email us and say, wow, I really wish that you would pull these royalties automatically for me. And then we can reach out to that platform and say, hi. Some of the authors that are selling via you would really like to combine forces. This is good for everyone. What can we do together? Let's get our developers in a room with yours. So. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so now ScribeCount's been around for how many years? About a year now. About um, a year now. Last January was when we launched in Okay. So how many countries are you reaching into now? In terms of our user base or mm. in terms of... In terms of, of how you collect collecting data? Um, so in terms of currencies, I believe there's 
12 or 14 currencies that are coming in. The biggest limiting factor is usually where the big platforms distribute to. So there is definitely a dearth of Central African, particularly um, Southeast Asian, Eastern European distribution channels. But places like draft digital are always working to get, you know, the next Tolino or anything like that. So mm. as they expand, we expand. Right. Um, yeah. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. So now it seems like it's for a company, you need to have a lot of um, savvy on numbers. <laughs> so how do you put this, how do you put this together? Because obviously royalties is, is, is very important into when you get into number crunching, mm-hmm. you can make numbers sometimes. Yep. He has a bad name. You can make numbers say anything sometimes. Mm-hmm. So how is it you guys are able to put this together in the first place? And then what was your major attraction to it that made you so um, important that you're now the director of strategic <laughs> partnerships? Well, um, Randall had ended up building. Randall is? Is our CEO, okay. uh, thriller author, Randall Wood. Um, and his major impetus is that he had been waiting for several years um, for someone else to build it because he just assumed like it was a, it was a big need um, and it kept not getting built. And so he moved forward. He reached out to me. Um, we knew each other from uh, an author community and I um, had burned out on math in high school, went back to it in college and was at that point as my work study job tutoring it to people and realized that there are very few, I would say almost no people in the world who cannot do mid-level statistics. Not basic statistics, mid-level statistics. And it's simply that the jargon has become loaded with so much emotion um, because people are trained to believe that if they don't get a mathematical concept right off, that they never will be able to, um, which is absolutely false. Um, And so it was very important to me that other people not miss those years of being able to work with data like I had um, and not, you know, feel badly about themselves, um, understand that, because we're working with immensely creative people, right? Mm -hmm. And so they have absolutely what it takes to come at a problem as many ways as they need to, to figure it out. Uh, And so to be able to say to authors, you're not, not a business person. You're not just a creative. You're not not set up to do this. You have at your disposal all of the intellect and all of the skill needed to turn your career into your ideal career. Because one of the other things that had happened was uh, Randall and I were part of a cohort where a huge amount of us burned out in around 2016 to 2018. And these were people that had just been pushing, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. And we were all trying to prove that we could do things as well as the big publishers and do our own covers and do our own marketing and all of that. And I, at least personally, burned out trying to have someone else's dream career. And it wasn't until several years later that I realized that wasn't the career I wanted to have and that was part of the burnout. And so when we're providing the data, what we're saying is, here's the information go use it to move in your correct direction. And so that's a very big thing with statistics. 
so the data are not reality, right? Um, the data are kind of like a dog's bark compared to a dog. They're our best approximation of reality. The data reflect the questions that we asked to collect them and the collection methods. And then you have to be very careful which questions you ask when you're trying to solve a problem because the data will do their best to answer the question you asked, which might not be the right question. Um, and so that is one of the things that, um, well, my economics teachers would be absolutely horrified to hear me say this, but I really do recommend just looking at your data and looking at all the spiky bits, the unusual bits, the bits that stick out to you, looking without any question at all um, and saying, what is this showing me? Because a huge amount of our scientific advancement as a species, right, has come from people being like, well, that was weird. Um, mm -hmm. And then just trying to figure out why. And so you will not always be able to answer the question of what is going on with your data, but sometimes you can capitalize on it. You can say, wow, my epic fantasy just took off on Apple. I'll, I'll target some advertising. Or, you know, my read-through just shot up on this one series. Maybe if I'm not sure what book I want to write next, I should go back into that world. It gives you more of an idea of the possibilities. Which is fascinating. There was an article written by Elwin Hubbard, who was the one that created the Writers in Illustrated Feature Contest, called The Manuscript Factory. And in it, not dissimilar to what you're saying here, he uh, analyzed his Westerns, mystery, adventure, military, science fiction, fantasy, all those different stories that he wrote, and he, he went through and, and worked out how much he, was, he made per word mm -hmm. and how much time he spent to write each one. And he was able to work out, like, even though he wrote more, more of this genre, he sold more of that genre and was paid more on the other genres. So he was able to, to go through that and work out, like, okay, it's best for me to write this genre of fiction because I'll make more money time, you know, his own time motion study. Like if I spend mm -hmm. this much time on it and do this much writing, then I'll make this much money, which, which is what he was ultimately looking for on mm -hmm. his fiction writing. And so that's, you know, when, when I saw the charts that you showed me on, mm -hmm. on your site there, or uh, I'm assuming it was on your site there, it's fascinating. Those of you listening, like it's, it's the website is called scribecount.com, S-C-R-I-B-E-C-O-U-N-T.com. And there's charts in there you can really drill down and mm -hmm. find out either if you write multiple genres, because, again, Hubbard used 15 different pen names. Sometimes some of the magazines had three different stories from him under different pen <laughs> names because he just wrote so much. Mm -hmm. But for yourself to go through and find, you know, what you were just saying, um, Philippa, was the, you know, a fantasy or a certain type of fantasy mm -hmm. or a certain audience, a certain distribution yeah. channel. You can, all this stuff that you're able to provide now mm -hmm. on a drill down. So it's not just, okay, give me my money, it's... but where do I make more money as, mm -hmm. a, as an author or would it also, this also apply to artists and anybody else with IP, with intellectual property? Absolutely. And it means, um, so you can approach that a couple ways. You can say, well, all I want is I want my numbers, you know, I'm, I've got a pension. I really don't care. It's 
this is my measure of how I'm doing and how many people I'm reaching. Mm -hmm. Or you could say, you know what? I want my spouse to be able to retire. I need to know where I'm making the most money per time. Or it could be I write in two genres. One of them I absolutely adore. The other I write because it makes money. How much of that second one do I need to write to fund my other writing <laughs> habit? <laughs> um, and so you can do anything. You can go anywhere with that. Say, you know, you're an author, but you also do, uh, I say, uh, custom moose training on the side. Uh, and you want to have an example of how much royalties you make compared to your moose training. You can input all of your consulting Where is fees. Moose training? Yes. What's, you train ant, four legged animals too? Yes. Uh, it, it, it would be a terrible idea to try to train okay, moose. Good. Okay, but, good. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm I, I do not know anyone who actually does this. Okay, but good. All right. <laughs> so you're from um, Minnesota. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so you can look at that and say, okay, I, when is a good time that I can actually flip over and stop doing my day job? And just to drop a slight clarification, we charge you based on the royalties we pull. So if you're adding in $100,000 in consulting fees into your ScribeCount dashboard, you will see that, but we will not charge you based on that. So. Got it. That is one thing we <laughs> yes. we uh, we added the extra income feature and got a whole bunch of questions. I'm like, yeah, we really should have explained that better. <laughs> now you've also got you know, so you're doing your monthly collections, <laughs> but can do your stats? And it would seem like it would be, but trends. Yes, you can look at trends. Um, I have been looking at ways to work um, regressions into it and say, for instance, you seem to be on a two month lag for. X promotion, where it really starts to pay out after that much time. Or you did a Pulse Kindle free day, and you can expect to see that come back in two weeks, or whatever that is. Um, one of the other ones that I really like is you can see very quickly, per month or per whatever time period you're looking at, the rate of, if you have any free books, mm -hmm. uh, free books percentage per platform to paid to royalties per platform. And so for instance, Barnes and Noble is usually way outperforming in terms of the return per freebie. Really? For me. And so like, that's good for me to know. I didn't know that because we do mm -hmm. a lot of stuff, as a publishing house, we do a lot with, with Amazon, mm -hmm. but we haven't really done particularly, or we've done very little with Barnes and Noble, but I haven't actually looked at that. So that's, that's mm -hmm. fascinating. Yeah, and you can you can tag the different promotions. You can put them in and tag them to the book or to the series or to mm -hmm. any of that. And uh, then look at your series and say, okay, this is how much we spent on this series and how much it paid out versus, you know, this other series over here. Mm -hmm. We put a dollar in and wow, does that come back? And so you just got to decide, you know, again, which ones are you pushing and why? but that's easier once you have the information. <laughs> right. Now, is this something that normally an agent would do for a writer? Uh, on this point, I have to confess that I am wildly ill-informed. I have only been on the indie side of this. And so I don't, like, I have heard from several friends who are trad published that they're getting their royalty statements sometimes every six months, sometimes once a year. And so they they throw a lot of effort out in terms of their own marketing and their social media engagement, but they don't know if it worked or not. Mm -hmm. And that's 
that seems very vulnerable to me. And it, it's just, it's a lot of energy to put out and a lot of effort uh, without knowing what's coming back right. and what worked and what you could be doing more of. So as, an, so, indie, as, an, as an indie artist or an indie author then, this is really something that would benefit them mm-hmm. on being able to track what they're getting. But it's not just, here's a means of, now do you actually collect the royalties? Or do you no, make sure that so, mm-hmm. they say, okay, I got this X number of dollars, and you make sure that that's the actual correct thing that they mm-hmm. got? Um, so what we do is we pull out of, uh, it's a browser extension. Randall and I had both had trouble with places that said they were not collecting certain kinds of data and were. So we handed our developer an impossible task and said, no cookies, no logins, no nothing, uh, no caches of data, no. Um, And he, to his credit, did not stab us um, (laughs) (laughs) and made it work. And so it pulls the data in, not from the dashboard that you see if you go into, you know, the Amazon KDP. Mm -hmm. It pulls from the the database that is supplying the dashboard, which is often updated much more quickly. Sure. Uh, which has led to an erroneous belief, which I told Randall we really should run with, that ScribeCount can see the future. Uh, Because people would say, oh, you said I had these sales and I couldn't see them yet, and then yesterday they showed up. Like, Randall, go with it. We can see the future. (laughs) (laughs) But so we're pulling the royalties in there, and it it allows them to come in every 15 minutes or so, um, except for things like Apple, which only update once per day. And they can they can pull that in easily and then filter it very easily. Well, that's how the Rothschilds <laughs> captured the uh, the banking market. Is they had some in a horse making it back after battles uh, yeah. before the news got back, and so they were able to do all their manipulations before the rest of of the people knew. So it is it that's is a factor. Clever. Like <laughs> you know, it's like the data in a, the better right now in an, in an age when data transfer is virtually instantaneous. Mm-hmm. To have areas where it's not instantaneous, it's like when you put a loan through, when you, when you deposit money in a bank and it takes mm-hmm. a day or two days for it to clear, the, banking, the bank's making money on it right now, and the transfer doesn't go through for another two days. Yep. So that's money that they're making going through there that you're not seeing. Mm-hmm. So right now that you're able to see that instantaneously, you can, you can be a lot more efficient on... Absolutely. And knowing if you're doing the right thing or not. Because it's also on, on social media and on campaigns, a day or two can make a huge difference. Absolutely. And you don't want to be, I mean, most people are working with a limited ad budget. You don't want to be spending that money on an ad that's not performing or whatever the case may be that's yeah. not driving to the right place. Yeah, and if you've got a book that's doing well right now, you, you mm-hmm. mentioned uh, Amazon, but if it's doing really well right now, to be able to have real-time tracking of, of numbers mm-hmm. is, uh, is important because, okay, I need to really put more attention on this thing right now and because mm-hmm. some things you can do and create, which is one thing I've got a lot of experience in with what I do at, at Galaxy Press, of I can do something today instead of waiting tomorrow or the next day and I'll get more sales as a result. Absolutely. And as you point out, with the press, it's even more urgent because as complex as it is for me handling two pen names and, you know, four different series, with a press, it becomes monumentally more difficult. Mm -hmm. And so looking at, yes, we have individual level 
data analysis, but what does a small press need? And so that's one of the things that we're branching into now and developing is saying to people, what do you need to be able to do with one click? What time are you losing from immensely competent people who could be doing something else and are instead copying and pasting and exporting to PDF and sending to the authors because these presses want to know if they're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. They want their authors to know what's going on. And that's just, it takes forever. And so... Yeah. Now, one thing is that it would seem to be the case, but it's sometimes people are very intimidated mm -hmm. by numbers. Yes. And the the more numbers they see, the more intimidated mm -hmm. they are to a point of just saying, I want nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I, I can't deal with this. I don't know how to do this. So mm -hmm. let's talk about that a little bit. Of, yeah. You know. We have a, a very strange approach to mathematics instruction um, in, I would say, most of the world, where if someone has trouble with reading, um, tutors are brought in, different reading techniques are tried, all sorts of things. There's this very robust uh, teaching. And then if the same thing happens with math, it's as if people just get told to drop out and that they've that reached That brain limits. was never formed in your head. Yup, exactly. <laughs> and it took until I was in college and had one of my teachers saying to all of us in this baffled voice from the front of the room, no one came to my office hours. And I thought, well, maybe they're all just a lot smarter than I am because math is hard. And then I got all of your tests back and apparently you you don't all understand this, so why are you not coming to me for help? And we all had to explain, because it you're not supposed to admit that you can't do math. You're, you're just supposed to sort of soldier through and do the best you can. And it took, you know, a mathematician who charts bird flight patterns saying to me, but this is hard. It takes a lot of thought for me to realize, oh, it, there's no natural stopping point in your ability. You just have to focus in the same way that you don't always get a sentence right the first time you try to write it or a chapter or whatever it is. And so to approach it creatively, but that was a learning experience for me. And so what we are doing a lot of trial and error with is finding ways to make people not, you know, retreat um, and say, please believe me um, that you can do this. And so at a lot of the starts of my talks, it will be, it, you may want to be having a panic attack right now. You may want to be crawling under the desk. All I need is for you to trust me for about five to 10 minutes while I tell you about this a little bit. Um, and so it, it becomes a sort of, you don't have to believe in yourself. I will believe in you for the next little while, just trust me. And it's a little bit of, I don't want to say exposure therapy because that's a very specific thing and I am not a therapist. Um, but to, to get through looking at a database or a spreadsheet or a graph and realize, oh, actually that was fine. I didn't burst into flames and die. And here we are and I now know a thing about my data. And but now, too, you've got the ability yourself. <laughs> you've overcome that, that hump. Mm -hmm. So you're also able to 
formulate and present data mm -hmm. that can be understood by others, and you've made it user-friendly enough so that anybody who heretofore has been very intimidated by charts and mm -hmm. rows and rows of numbers can then go and look at it and just see, I want to know which I should be writing more, and they can actually take the cursor, put it over something, click it, and there's mm -hmm. the answer. That yeah. to me is, I think is fascinating, especially to people who are intimidated by numbers and are not interested in dealing with their number issues. They just want to know, am I getting all my money? And is there some way I could be more efficient with what I'm writing to make mm -hmm. more of it? Because let's also be honest, when you're doing something in Excel, if you're doing this every day, it doesn't occur to you. And even if you're doing it for the first time, it doesn't occur to you. But say you're trying to do one of our reports in Excel um, and approximate that, and you go in and you have to put it in the spreadsheet and then label the columns and then figure out what it is you need to do, which is probably a pivot table. And so you have to That's then... That's a thing in the computer. <laughs> and then you have to go search online for where in the menu is the pivot table. You find the button for that, and then it brings up a screen with the data and four different things where you have to drag different metrics and columns into different places in the pivot table thing. And so you've now had something like five different skills you needed to learn in order to do this. And each one of those is a friction point where someone can just say, I've only got so much brain space to allocate to this. Right. I've got kids. I've got dogs. I've got, like, yeah, I, I just, just want to know, am I getting point? all my royalties? <laughs> I just want to know, am I getting my I royalties or not? I just to press a button. Like, yeah. you know, if you're doing this all day, every day, the minutia of what you can do with a fully formed database system is obviously very important. For almost everyone else, it's not. It's like the difference between hard coding your entire website by hand or using WordPress. Like mm -hmm. for most people, WordPress. <laughs> WordPress. Yes. <laughs> so I got half a dozen of them. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so it's, you've got 98 to 100% of what you need mm -hmm. compared to the, well, it's the Pareto principle, right? 80% for 20% of the time. Mm -hmm. And so. Just make use of that. Yeah. So then on, um, do you have any particular stories of, um, like horror stories of people that have signed up with you who thought, okay, I'll give it a shot, then only to, to learn that they have been grossly underpaid in their, in their royalties? Uh, there's only been the ones so far that realized that the payments did not match up. So that's been good, luckily. Uh -huh. um, there have been a lot of discussions back and forth. Actually, one of the earliest friction points was, I don't know what other places use for uh, exchange rates, but we index our exchange rates at the end of every day. And so we got a lot of people that came back to us and said, your numbers are wrong. And we said, okay, what are you checking them against? Where is the discrepancy? And they said, well, it's not showing up the same way on this other Thing. And we said, okay, so it's, you know, two months past ago, you've been paid, and we're showing a different number than you got paid. And they said, oh, no, it was yesterday's sales, and it's not showing the same number as this other aggregator. And we had to say, okay, well, those exchange rates haven't been set yet. <laughs> so there's been a lot of education there around 
you know, you log into Amazon and they're showing you the dollars and the pounds and the rupees and they don't do any of the conversion there. And so when you're trying to get an idea of where things are going to shake out, you're using whatever your system is for estimating Kindle page reads, for instance, or because that fluctuates each month, uh, looking at the the exchange rate, which is uh, interesting because there is a clause in there that they can pay you whatever exchange rate seems good to them at the time. And usually that's very close, but still. And one of the big ones that happened a little while back uh, was with a specific platform, um, which I'm not going to name. There's an ongoing lawsuit. But there was a glitch in the reporting, which allowed people to see how many returns had been allowed and that they were losing 75 to 80% in some cases of the money they should have been getting because it was built into the advertising for that platform that when you were done with a book, you could just return it and use the money for a different book because they didn't care. And it wasn't their royalties that they weren't getting paid. And it was a glitch that let them see that. But that's the sort of thing that you can see much more easily mm -hmm. when you have someone providing a natural window into it because our incentive is to give you accurate data. Right. <laughs> and so <laughs> we're a disinterested party, as it were. And that's one of the things that we were not reporting on that platform at that time. And so that was, you know, a topic of discussion. What, what would have happened if we were reporting on there and looking at that platform now and saying, okay, so when we're looking at how each of the platforms changes over time, almost always because they are trying to serve their users better, mm -hmm. um, and then we need to go through and adjust our software to accommodate that, but what are we catching that, people might not necessarily be super excited for yeah. us to get. So. so you're talking about you're talking about the author side. This is you're the you're the author advocate at this at this yeah. point now. Um and saying because it's wonderful to have these author groups, right? Because mm -hmm. people could go and say, wow, I'm seeing all of these returns on this platform. Can anyone else go check right now? Because I've never seen this before, and have everyone go check and then communicate with one another. Um, and be able to say, I know what my royalties should be because I know how many units I moved on Tuesday and suddenly it's showing up as a quarter of that, 10% of that, 15% of that. What's happening? This is happening every day. Information is power. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So are there any other companies that do what you do? There are a few that do parts of what we do. Um, so there's one that is just for Amazon. Um, there's one that does a couple of the platforms. Um, there are some that are like part publisher, distributor, part aggregator, but we are so far the only one that's doing all of the platforms we're doing. Um, and then we'll be adding in the print, the audio, and the, um, the ad tracking as well, the automatic ad tracking, so. So right now you do, so you obviously track 
Amazon, so that means mm -hmm. automatically you get Audible as well? Uh, we do not get Audible automatically. We also do not get Vela automatically um, because that is only available in the uh, new Kindle dashboard and is not feeding into the reports the same way yet. So that is one hole we were just about to onboard Findaway, um, and then Findaway had was acquired by Spotify, and so, you know, obviously they're revising things on their end, and we want to make sure, you know, we're not tripping over security protocols or anything like that. It's much better when you can work with mm -hmm. the platform. Draft Digital is probably the gold standard for people that worked with us to get all of the data coming in. Um, and let's see, so Barnes & Noble, Apple, draft to digital Smashwords, Smashwords, which is now draft to digital Smash to draft whatever they're calling themselves now. Um, and uh, Kobo, Google, and Amazon. So. Good. And then do you have, like, there's the various, you know, the, the distributors and, and booksellers, like in South Africa, and that... that carry the English titles, at least the English ones, and in the other English, predominant English-speaking worlds? Yes. So we are pulling in, of course, everything that draft to digital and Smashwords we're distributing to, and then we are intending to add platforms until we run out. So we advise two things. The first is that people write to us and tell us which ones they want, because that helps us prioritize mm -hmm. our dev time, um, but that also at events like here at Superstars, that they creep up behind the people who run those platforms and just like whisper scribe count in their ear um, to sort of <laughs> help the process along. Right. Um, because of course it's uh, self-publishing and is becoming a more mature industry. There have it been is. failures, there have been breaches of trust. And so when you're cold emailing someone and saying, hey, I'm scribe count, I help people figure out their royalties. They very correctly look at my email and say, I'm sorry, you want to do what with our user data? That's valid. Absolutely. Check my credentials. But so, uh, so getting to know people and being able to come to things like superstars and say, hey, I'm an actual person that you can talk to and being able to talk to readers and authors just going around at 20 books was great. I was able to say, hi, I'm with Scribe Count. What can we do better? Mm -hmm. What are your problems with data collection? And just, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful community. So now as a writer, just getting mm -hmm. going, which is why I'm really interested, why I was interested in, in doing this interview with you, mm -hmm. uh, is when you, said, when you made that comment to me that, you know, royalties up to $1,000 is free per month, mm -hmm. I was like, okay, <laughs> this is cool. This is cool. <laughs> And I'm definitely in favor of people making good money for mm -hmm. delivering a good product, but that you do this to help the, the start out author. So if somebody's now just beginning, they're a writer, they're an artist, they've got some type of, of royalty-based mm -hmm. payment system that they, that, they that they rely upon as their income flow, what do they do? How do they reach out? What is, was there a, like a form they have to fill out or do they have to, is there, they get a special... <laughs> key code ring that they have to <laughs> click, click three times. That to, would be super cool. Yeah. I, would, I would love that. Um, yeah. Probably too difficult to manufacture. Yes. Um, but yes, what they can do is they can go online. It honestly, you can set up in about five to 10 minutes. Um, you download the browser extension. There's the two week free trial anyway. Um, and if you run into any sort of snag, um, 
like every once in a while, there's, we had someone who had shifted over their Apple account from their individual to their publishing house, so it had switched tax identification numbers. We still don't know where in Apple's databases their data are because they are not in the normal place. Um, <laughs> so every once in a while, things happen. You know, companies are run by people. People make people decisions mistakes, that seem yeah. really smart at the time. I'm sure they, they put the data somewhere that seemed like very safe and they wouldn't mm -hmm. lose it, like my keys. But yeah, so they, they reach out, they give us that information, they install the browser extension, takes a little while to filter in. But if, for instance, it's a publishing house, they have slightly different needs. Or if someone's reaching out and saying, hey, I, I'm in music, I'm pulling from Apple Music, I'm pulling from Spotify, can we work together on this? absolutely reach out. I mean, it's it's an adaptation of existing development, and I have yet to find any correlation between what I think will take a lot of time and what actually takes a lot of time in terms of dev. So it's it seems about 50-50 that I'll go back and say, um, can we change the color on this? Like, we really can't. Versus, can we add this super impressive feature? And they're like, oh yeah, I'll just uh, get back to me in 20 minutes and I'll have it done. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so I always like to have people come talk to me because I never know. We might be able to get you what you need today. We might be able to get it to you in a month. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. So now we've got, so in this last little bit, we just expanded to music now too, which I wasn't even thinking of that. So we got music, we've got art, there's obviously books, and it could be the print books, it can be the... Uh, mm -hmm ebooks, any other type of, of properties that you will deal with? Um, we are willing to deal with pretty much anything. So if you're selling anything merch really via your site, we're willing to, to import that. So say you've got a Redbubble site or you've got Payhip, we're working on importing Payhip and you do direct sales on your site. We'll import all of that data as soon as Payhip is up and running. And, you know, obviously we'll have Usually when someone reaches out to ask about uh, a platform we haven't worked with yet, we'll say, are you willing to be the test case and, you know, be on Zoom with us and, and have us see your data and make sure that we're, we're pulling all of it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's no, there's no inherent reason that this couldn't adapt into other things. And it's always just having the, a large enough cohort to know that we aren't throwing dev resources down the drain. Um, right. and, and only together can we all make that de decision. So. Sure. Now, obviously, you're getting a lot of very personal, very private data mm -hmm. for these people. So why should they trust you? Why should they not feel like, okay, is there any, any reason why I should say, okay, yes, I'm going to trust these people with all this data, which is very for me, very mm -hmm. important and could be very damaging. Mm -hmm. So there's a great deal of data that we don't get. We don't get your tax identification number. We don't get uh, your banking information, anything like that. It's pulling solely out of the royalties. We, uh, for the exact reason you mentioned, do not handle our own encryption. We give that to Microsoft Azure because they've got whole teams dedicated to that. We're not going to try to beat them at that game. 
they've got a whole bunch of people working on hacking. All of the data are stored in, so each user's data is stored in a different table, all encrypted with different keys. Um, so yes, someone could theoretically get all of the Azure data, spend several years trying to crack it, at which point it would be several years out of date, but they would never know whose it was <laughs> because it's a set of numbers. Um, we also set it up um, so if something were to happen to our developers tomorrow, absolutely we could keep the company running. But Randall and I do not have access to the tables that show other authors' royalties. So when an author will write in and say, I think there's something going on, I'm not getting the correct royalties, I interface with a developer to get the very specific piece of information I don't, you know, go into the tables and see that because I'm another author and that's, I'm not going to set up that, that conflict there. I came out of finance and so I was handling incredibly sensitive information and that was very important to me to start with. It was also very important to Randall that, of course, we not be storing uh, cookies, login information, any of that. Um, and we made sure that we had a button uh, put on so that you can log in import all of your data, run whatever reports you want, delete all of your data so nothing is on our the Azure servers at all, and log out. And then there will be nothing there until the next time you log in and hook up whichever platforms you want to hook up and pull the data back in. What we genuinely were not expecting was the number of people who came to us and said, I actually don't care if you have my username and passwords. I don't want to re-log in. I don't want to push more buttons. And we were blindsided. Like, being in a customer-focused group, mm -hmm. you have to listen. And yeah. so what we've been very honest with them about is we're trying to find a way to do this that doesn't violate our own principles of data collection, that is very clearly an opt-in and remains safe and secure, we hear you, we want to give you what you want, but we also want it to be safe, so give us some time to figure this out. And I, I certainly was not expecting that feedback, but right. that's one of the reasons you keep open channels, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, so we've established now that you know, we've had some of the horror stuff, but what are some of the, I guess, that uh, your clients... What are common comments that they make that make someone to continue on with you? Uh, some, one of my favorites was um, from someone who said, it is faster to get my data and it is more accurate than going to the source because when I go to the source, I'm looking at the dashboard, not the reports, not the databases. So going to scribe count is actually an easier way to get more accurate data than going to each of the individual places, which is great. That's knocking it out of the park. That's exactly what we wanted. People who are saying, I'm realizing that I can spend more time writing stuff that I love. That's wonderful. Um, people who are brave enough to take the le leap because they know that they can see if they're leaving Kindle Unlimited, for instance, mm -hmm. that's really scary. It is a situation where you're losing rank. Your um, Amazon sales are dropping off a proverbial cliff. 
And when you can't see the other sales starting to come in, it's doubly scary. And so when they can see, oh, yes, but here's Barnes & Noble, here's Kobo, here's uh, Google, it becomes less of a torturous emotional experience, which is nice, frankly. Mm -hmm. It's just nice. Um, and so having people say, I've been able to make X decision. I've been able to strike out on my own with this. I was able to, sometimes it's not even writing. I was able to take up X, Y, Z and or spend these other four hours per week with my kids. It's really nice. Like, it's just, we all have so much that we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. um, I have yet to meet a more workaholic group of people and... You would think my family would give them a run for their money, but indie authors are something else. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, having them say, oh, I can actually breathe a little bit easier. I took a little bit off my plate. How often does that happen? And so that's been really... Um, well, that's great. Yeah, having, you know, burned out to the point that I was hospitalized at one point. It's like, please avoid my mistakes. And watching people hustle less... It's really good. That was one of my goals. <laughs> so what is the overall objective of Scribe Count in terms of what your end game is or if you have an end game yet on, on what you're trying to do with, with the company? Basically, we want a wider range of people to be able to make informed decisions, both in terms of having the data to do so and then the training to do so and say, here's where it's worth it for me to spend my time. Here's where it's not worth it for me to spend my time. Here's, I don't need to do it all. Mm -hmm. um, and to be able to pick and choose what they do, to be able to, this industry has a lot of luck. It has a lot of strange uh, coincidences. There were people who got absolutely raked over the coals in Amazon ratings because they hadn't predicted COVID. It was a book set in 2020 and there was, there was no COVID. And they must have thought when they wrote it that it was, you know, it was just going to be a normal year, but it, it really just ruins the book one star. Like, you never know what's going to happen, yeah. right? But if you've got the data, you can put yourself in the way of those good black swan events over and over again and have a much better chance of having that lightning strike. And so it's, it, you know, it's to have people be able to create the right career for them and know that that will be different from person to person. Okay, that's good. So we've got a couple minutes left here. So for a person who wants to, he's thinking about it, she's thinking about it, you know, should I, shouldn't I? What would be their first step they should take? I'm not ready to commit. Mm -hmm. I'm not ready to like do stuff. So what, what can I do to take my little toe and put it in that water there to to see if it's going to freeze gonna or burn. <laughs> um, I would say to sign up for the free trial. Um, if you're worried that it's going to be way too much information, probably don't start with your Amazon because that usually has a lot of data that keeps filtering in for multiple polls. It takes multiple rounds of the 15-minute data grabs to get all of your Amazon data. But you can look at something a little more manageable if you've only been on you know, Google Play for a couple months you can just link Google Play mm -hmm. and just see that data and say, okay, this is a manageable amount of data. I can understand this. But I've been, I've mm -hmm. been writing now for a couple of years, and 
I'm a bit confused on this stuff here, and I've heard horror stories, but mm. I don't really know, and I don't know enough about it. I get my statement comes in every six months, and it's like, I don't know. It, I guess I, you know, I have to trust them, don't I? So, what would you suggest is like a way to? That is um, a little bit of a thorny question because, of course, when you're doing, you're getting your royalty statement from a traditional publisher you're not getting that information via your own logins. So we can't pull that specifically. What we can do is we can help you display it better. And so um, I, I absolutely recommend that people who have come from the traditional publishing side reach out to us. And even if you're an independent publisher, absolutely reach out to us as an author and say, I have no idea what I'm doing. I am, this whole thing makes me want to breathe into a paper bag. I've heard horror stories. How do I know this is safe? You know, I read your FAQ, but I don't know. I, I want to make sure where my data are. And then we have concrete questions. They can Zoom with us so that they can see that we are, in fact, real people. Mm -hmm. um, and we can say, okay, here, bring up your browser, look in developer mode. Here, you can see here in the code and you can Google that code and you can know what that code does. They can build that rapport. And because we've got the testimonials on the site, they can reach out to people and say, okay, should I, should I trust these people? We've got more and more author communities. So I would say when, pretty much whenever there's a, a data-focused author service, one of the first things you should do is you should go online, um, Google them, see what the reviews are, see if there are complaints, go into author forums and ask about them, you know, search and see if the mm -hmm. topics were brought up. Uh, absolutely, before you give someone your money and your data, do that every time. Reach out to them and see who they are and how they operate. And are they people that you trust on a personal level? Because that's important. Mm -hmm. Say we have the best data in the world, but for some reason you can't trust us and it drains you emotionally every day that we, that's not worth it. That's right. It's not worth it. So we don't want you to be miserable. I'd rather just have a quick 20 minute zoom with you and say, okay, here are the pivot tables you're going to need. If you ever decide you want to come back, come back, but I'll help you with a little bit of the data for now. Okay, so. good. Well, that's great. So they're going to go to scribecount dot com that's c-r-i-b-e-c-o-u-n-t dot com this has been amazing i very much appreciate this uh, chance to talk with you philippa thank you likewise and thank you for listening subscribe to the writers of the future podcast wherever you get your podcasts we've also been syndicated on the united public radio network where you can find these podcasts as well Writers of the Future series can be purchased wherever books are sold in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., Australia, and South Africa, and available everywhere else in the world via Amazon. Writers and Illustrators of the Future are contests created by Elman Hubbard to provide a means for the aspiring writer and artist to be seen and acknowledged. It is free to enter and open to amateur short story writers and artists of science fiction or fantasy. Again, thank you very much, Philippa. Thank you. Thank you.